Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talk Gnosis After Dark. We are continuing our discussion upon divination. I uh, had a pretty interesting discussion, I think, during our video show. Welcome, Bishop Peterson. How are you? I am wonderful. How are you, Bishop Ken? Very good. Well, again, I want to uh, just do a quick apology to our to our listeners. Uh, yeah. I had, uh, I think, we were both kind of promoting that Mark Thomas was going to be joining us both for our video show and for our podcast. But again, due to technical difficulties, that was impossible. But again, I think maybe we should jump right into it. During our video show, um, we were talking about divination as a spiritual practice for uh, our listeners who are who are not aware um it is something that's been part of your spiritual practice and part of you uh, just really of the person that you are i mean ever since i've known you i think divination has always been part of what you do so uh-huh. um maybe um again you can mention to our listeners how do you think that divination helps you in your own spiritual practice yeah it's like i said during the video um a part of it for me is a practicing divination where i where i'm trying to obtain information that is not normally available through known scientific means um is that i find that myself constantly encountering myself my fears my concerns my blind spots when i do divination mm-hmm. uh, and we, we talked about this during the video, but for me, for example, a lot of this will even begin just with the question. If I am forming a question about uh, for, for divination, is this a question that is any of my business? Is this a question that I'm going to be, if I get the information that I need, am I going to be taking, am I, am I willing or able to take action? Um, is this, am, am I asking out of fear or anxiety? And these days I'm finding myself actually more likely to not do a divination than I am to actually do one. Once I can calm down enough and, and work with the questioning process, is this a legitimate question to be asking? Do I have any business asking this question? Mm-hmm. That that for me is an important part and it, I can be, make myself aware I, you know, the fact that I'm asking a bunch of questions on, on a topic may be, and may be indicative of the fact that I'm ex- I have a lot of anxiety or fear around it, but I'm not acknowledging that. But if I keep on asking the same question, well, maybe there's something else I need to be looking at in myself at that time. Mm-hmm. So I, for, for me, even just getting to the point where I'm ready to do a divination is a spiritual practice of self-examination. Um, and then, you know, when I actually perform the divination, whether myself or some, somebody else, I'm going to pay attention to how I'm feeling about what I'm seeing there. Am I devastated when I get information that I don't like? Um, do I feel helpless or hopeless at that point? Um, am I afraid to tell somebody, give somebody bad news um, because I'm afraid they're not going to like me anymore? Am I, for myself, um, am I willing just to poo-poo information that I don't want or don't like or don't need? Mm-hmm. Um, and another interesting thing happened a couple months ago. I do a form of divination called geomancy. And in geomancy, we have a, we can create a, an astrological house chart. 
uh, where we look, we have 12 houses that encompass different areas of people's lives, and you place the geomantic sin, uh, uh, symbols in this house chart. Number one position is the querent. Uh, the querent's uh, status right now, what they're, how they're doing right now, their appearance, what, what, what's going on with them right now. And I began to notice that when I interpret house charts, I almost never look at the first house, which is, of course, me. Now, that ought to be indicative of something. That mm -hmm. maybe I'm more comfortable looking at different areas of life but not paying enough attention to myself. Uh, as a person. And when I, when, when I saw that, it was like a light bulb went on over my head. You know, I've just been disregarding this important bit of information. What does that tell me about how I manage myself in my life? So that was a real eye opener for me. Interesting. So that, so, you know, so part of it, I do think that part of being an esotericist, or whether you want to call yourself a Gnostic or an esotericist or an occultist or whatnot, is this mm -hmm. process of self-knowledge. Mm -hmm. Because, frankly, it's, it, we may not be very good at knowing ourselves, at least not right away, but it's our best shot for obtaining any, uh, any more important knowledge, mm -hmm. any more significant, significant knowledge, because without self-knowledge, we don't have the appropriate ways of grasping or filtering the information that we get else, you know, otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, I think that divination can be a tool for self-knowledge, um, although it certainly is not the only one. Now, um, one of the questions I will bring up uh, that I know Father Tony would ask if he was here, and, and Father Tony usually always joins us for these. Unfortunately, he's a little under the weather tonight, but I think it's a question we've heard personally from him before, yes. is that, in the very act of divination, um, we mentioned this a little bit, I think, during our video show on, you know, kind of being aware that, okay, are there like negative energies kind of playing with me? But who exactly are we talking to in divination? You know, is, you know, are these the results we're getting? Is this divine knowledge? Is it gnosis? Who's actually doing the answers? I mean, you know, maybe some um, of our listeners who come from more mainstream religions would argue that divination is a bad thing. It, uh, it is, quote unquote, demonic. <laughs> um, you, you know, you could have evil entities who mm -hmm. always giving you the wrong information to lead you down a wrong path. Um, for someone like yourself, who is a regular practitioner, how do you answer that question? Yeah, I think it's a very good question. I think it's an important one. Father Tony asked me it when I spoke at the Jonite Conclave, as a matter of fact. And, uh, you know, I, I offered up a couple of ideas. I've, you know, thought about it a lot more since he brought it up. Mm -hmm. I'm of the opinion that there are potentially several things going on. Um, and I actually think that it may be method specific. In some cases, um, I think that, for example, if you're working with astrology, uh, you've certainly got a planetary influence, which for some Gnostics, you know, may send some Gnostics running screaming if you believe that the planetary influences are archonic, although there's a way of looking at that and saying, well, yeah, they're archons, but they're there, and they might have information that we can make use of just so long as we understand who we're dealing with. I'm mm -hmm. not 
I'm not going to get too deeply into that. With some methods such as, for example, tarot, you're dealing with planetary and elemental aspects and a Kabbalistic aspects, and there's a whole, a whole huge number of symbol sets. One could argue, I believe, that there perhaps is an egregore attached to those systems that have come together and that might um, have influence in the way the cards are randomized and thrown out, although there is also the issue of skill, which I'll get into in a, uh, into a second. Into in a second. Um, with the runes, now the runes are kind of interesting because the story mm -hmm. behind the runes, of course, is that Odin hung himself on the world tree for nine days, you know, took a spear and, and all that so that he could take up the runes and they, they revealed themselves to him. So there was actually kind of a... a, a one could argue a Gnostic ordeal to obtain the runes, but the runes, in my experience with them, um, have a, have dis, have a distinct intelligence and uh, beingness, I guess I would say, with each one. Mm -hmm. So when they show up in my readings, I get the impression that I'm actually working with the runes that are working together, that there is an intelligence behind them. It's not human. Um, but it is nonetheless very real. So I would say that there are different there are different answers to that to that question based on the method that you are using. There is, of course, also the issue of interpretation. I mean, you can toss out cards or runes or whatnot all day. If you don't have a skilled diviner or somebody who really knows those symbol sets, um, you're not going to get a good answer. Now, the other risk with that is that the diviner oftentimes has to make decisions. Um, sometimes you have symbols that have more than one meaning. Very, very common. For example, um, you, in geomancy, certain symbols uh, certainly have a divinatory meaning, but they can also represent certain personality types in mm -hmm. people, certain uh, physical appearance, you know, traits of physical appearance. So you have to make those decisions. You've also got to bring all that information together and make it into something that's coherent and useful. Mm -hmm. And there is a real risk there, first of all, um, and this, this goes beyond any sort of entity um, and into our own shadow side, the fact that we might you know, we, we might impose our own trauma or issues on the reading, and that's always serious. But there's mm -hmm. also the fact that you might be getting a lot of, somebody put it, astral interference or astral garbage. And you, if, if you, you know, you're interacting with something that's whispering a few wee words in your ear, um, and you suddenly get a bright idea um, about the nature of this reading that ends up wrecking a bit of havoc, you got a problem on your hands. So mm -hmm. that there is always certainly a risk when you're working with, with divination systems of um, including bad, wrong, or unhelpful information because of what you're encountering. Interesting. Now, during our video cast, um, you know, well, briefly mentioned, uh, I'm probably one of the very few rare uh, people who have been involved in the Western mystery traditions for a long time, mm -hmm. um, who does not practice divination. Mm -hmm. um, and I've actually gotten to some pretty heated discussions <laughs> <laughs> with, with, with some uh, on this, you know, some is like, well, you know, you're not a real magician if you don't do this. And well, you know, and, and I guess my arguments, uh, um, 
are pretty broad. You know, uh, I will state this, and you know, maybe this is something we can continue the discussion between you and I tonight on this show, is that you know probably the most common that we see is is the tarot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's probably most people when they're thinking of divination within the Western tradition, they're thinking of the tarot. Mm-hmm. And to me, I see them as authentic symbols of initiation. Mm-hmm. Um, these are part of, you know, um, anyone who studied the tarot can understand the deep Kabbalistic meanings on how it's really the manifestation of uh, of of the, the whole entire tree of life. And I think that these symbols, I mean, they're magical symbols that work upon us mentally. I think they work upon us um, psychically. They work work upon us uh, um, morally, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that in many ways that, that these types of symbols are um, ancient primordial um, symbols that I guess in a nutshell kind of get matched into into its manifestation upon upon the planes and we see the way that this is kind of materialized. And so for me, you know, I've always viewed the tarot and I can't tell you exactly where I got this view from, but I know it was uh, kind of something that was kind of instilled early upon me. But I always seen it as a way that teachers and mentors throughout the ages was a way for them to teach and initiate their students. And many times, I believe, in times of old, you know, there could have been an old Rosicrucian master and an old Templar traveling the countryside um, who didn't have the luxury of the internet or a smartphone to uh, check out the latest information or be in front of a vast library. But they had this powerful deck of complete symbols that that one particular deck properly understood could give someone the complete gnosis and knowledge of the Kabbalistic system. Mm -hmm. So for me, I always seen it as a learning and an initiatory tool. And in many ways, and this is going to come shocking to most of our uh, to our listeners, and I think we've even discussed this on a private phone call once. Mm-hmm. You know, I see many people who are doing divination almost as a blasphemous, aha, um, sacrilegious act against something that I consider a very sacred, divine set of symbols. Um, that for me was created for something else. It's like, uh, in many ways, I always seen it as almost profaning um, something that was very, very sacred and meant for something else. And I know that that does not ring very well for those who practice things such as uh, divination. Um, You know, your thoughts on the ideas that the tarot was created for something different and that, you know, possibly... We're not using that the way that it was designed to be used. Well, the tarot was designed as a card game. I mean, it was mm-hmm. initially a card game. I mean, over time, uh, occultists um, began to use it and began developing some some very interesting correspondences with it. But it was developed as a card game. Um, I, I and some of these other methods. I mean, I think uh, geomancy, I believe, was pretty much a, a divination system from the beginning. Uh, runes were were an alphabet, uh, but I think you know divination became became a use at some point. But it was used. To, they were, it was used. To, they were used in, in magic. So 
um, these symbols have always been used mm -hmm. in some way, uh, in some way or another. Now, I would point out, Bishop Canterbury, that your viewpoint about uh, divination being kind of a de debasing of the system or a, a, profa a profane way of using the symbols is uh, not uncommon among some esotericists. In fact, if you read, um, I think it's Paul Foster Kay, some of the scholars and writers about the tarot, um, they will say, you know, the real meaning of the use of the cards is for use in meditation, um, not for profane, you know, the profane use in divination, but then they'll go ahead and teach you how to use them for divination anyways, mm -hmm. um, which I always found kind of amusing. Um, I think, though, that... I think that you are hitting on something and a discomfort that a lot of people had, um, and that is that that divination has a bad rep. Um, mm -hmm. When I did my presentation at the Jonite Conclave, I began the presentation from with an excerpt from uh, one of the Harry Potter books when uh, the the, the children are getting taking their first divination class. The divination teacher seems to be a total crank, predicts Harry's death, and Professor McGonagall goes on in another class to say that divination is very imprecise I, precise and I have no patience with it. So as I pointed out, even in the Harry Potter universe, divination is the redheaded stepchild of esoteric <laughs> practice. And I think partly it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a reputation that's partly deserved mm -hmm. in the sense that divination has been used to scam and con people out of a lot of money. I mean, well, wait, periodic totally. periodically you turn on the TV and it's Dateline or something about mm -hmm. um, some fortune teller that's been scamming people out of money or Miss Cleo or, you know, mm -hmm. God only knows what. So, right. and, and the fact that there are, you know, that there are people who will pick up a pack of cards read a book and then hold themselves out to be tarot readers or mm -hmm. um or you have even have uh, you have people making money off of creating decks uh and writing books when they really don't have any knowledge of the system of the simple systems at all and i can understand that and it's also in some ways divination has preyed upon people who are genuinely suffering and who want something to give them hope something to quell their anxiety and instead of these people getting real help or being offered real help, they're offered divination at the rate of, you know, a dollar a minute or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. So I can understand that 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 discomfort. Um, on the flip side of that, I would point out that people have been doing divination for a very long time. Uh, that, you know, these are very, some very, very old practices, and um, in the right hands, uh, there have been some, some, some excellent work produced on the use of these um, and the use of symbol sets in divination. This is something that you see in all kinds of uh, in many different cultures. Um, in fact, I was speaking to one person who told me that um, in his culture, you can crack and you put tray of a plate of olive oil on a person's head and you crack an egg into it and the way it all spreads out you can tell if the person if, if somebody likes that person or not um, if you go into many asian countries i had a friend who went i think it was to hong kong and there are fortune tellers on every corner it's a very very important part of that culture and some of them have trained canaries that will pick out your fortune from little slips of paper i mean you have these um it's very much an important part of various cultures so i think mm -hmm. I'm not really willing to completely 
diss that 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 aspect but i can understand your concern mm -hmm. because it has been misused and as i pointed out earlier even practitioners who are not doing it for money but doing it for themselves can get themselves you know into up into a right lather doing divination after divination because they can't accept the hard truth about a situation mm -hmm. And, um, you yeah. know, one of the things that I had mentioned during the video show, but I'm going to mention again here, is that, again, you know, um, regardless of the system, any of these systems, in my opinion, takes years and years of unstudy. Yep. I mean, something like the tarot, you know, extremely rich and deep within symbolism. You know, I mean, whether one is studying systems from something well known, like the system of the Golden Dawn, or, you know, any of the other more, you know, Western traditions, um, you know, there's a lot to learn. <laughs> there's yeah. a lot to learn of all the symbols. And I'm, I am always, again, kind of amazed at um, people who kind of take up on these practices without even a fraction, I think, of understanding the symbols that are involved within these. Even something, you know, uh, such as runes, you know, for, for an example. Um, you know, many serious rune magicians, you know, I mean, the carving of the rune is a very, I mean, it's it's bringing forth, you know, that divine essence of Odin, if you will, of that carving of the rune. Because, I mean, as you mentioned, what did Odin do? He sacrificed himself to self on Idrisil for nine days. Yeah. to gain that knowledge of the runes. Yeah. So, you know, here's Odin sacrificing himself to get this knowledge, but you think, oh, okay, I read a book by Thorson, and all of a sudden I'm a rune expert. You know, I don't think yeah. so. Uh, yeah. I have a friend who won't even put down any words in writing <laughs> when it comes to things magically because it's so much like carving runes that it's, you know, there's a certain amount of power for her of even writing anything out. So it's simply... Uh, many ways just simply oral uh traditions when she's passing things on um but again i you know i'm that would be my largest i, I think concern when one is starting these practices is that one has a certain amount of knowledge uh, i do think that these things as i mentioned earlier come from a very strong archetypal primordial essence and i think that the information that i think a true diviner because i think a true diviner is a spiritual gift like any other spiritual gift mm -hmm. whether that spiritual gift is healing or or any of the other spiritual gifts that are out there i think divination but i don't think that everyone is called into that spiritual gift and i think that many start this practice simply because okay, I'm a member of this society or that society, and they say this is something we need to do, but I don't really think it's necessarily a spiritual gift for everyone to practice. And I think that those who are kind of called naturally to that as a spiritual gift, I think, um, you know, again, kind of the universe is telling them, that, hey, I'm called to this, as you are, you know. And um, I think get themselves properly educated in it, get themselves uh, um very familiar with the symbols, spend lots of time in meditation upon the symbols, mm -hmm. and takes their work very, very seriously. I mean, I hear how methodical you are. You keep an, uh, a journal on it, just yeah. the way that any, I think, real magician or theurgist does for their operations. But how many others out there are really that, you know, have that much, you know, method and looking back and maybe going back five years and go, aha, 
I'm not looking at this and I'm ignoring myself, you know? Yep. Um, you know, so, um, you know, to me, that's some of my concerns. Yeah, I think that they're all very real, real concerns. I mean, I, I agree with you that there are some people um, who are called to be diviners. Um, and in fact, I'm, I'm talking with a, a friend right now about possibly even doing a conference for diviners, um, mm -hmm. um, just because I think that that is, it's, it's its own beastie, it's its own set of practice, it's its own way of being. Um, and I think that, it, but as you pointed out, if you're going to call yourself a diviner, you need to put a lot of work into learning these systems. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, and, and, and this is partly the fault of a lot of esoteric or cult publishing houses. Um, there's a whole series, I think, you know, Tarot in 10 Minutes, right. um, Runes in 10 Minutes, where actually what you do, it's all just a list of combinations. You, you pull it, throw out a couple of runes or you throw out a couple of cards and it tells you what th this combination is supposed to mean. It has no basis as far as I can tell, in any traditional system, but by golly, people, you know, lap that stuff up. Mm -hmm. And I, so I think that part of the blame does go to, um, to, to publishing houses who publish book, who crank out books and decks for that matter, or decks or various t uh, types of divination tools um, without any consideration of the history or the actual study that longtime practitioners have put into this system. And mm -hmm. people get this a, a sense of overconfidence. Um, by the same token, we all have to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, for a person who, even if they don't, if, even if they, uh, that certainly learning to start doing readings, daily readings, yeah, it's going to take you several years to get good, but you have to start from somewhere. And as long as you are cautious and employ your critical thinking faculties, I think you can do okay um, learning that system on your own. So I, I think that, you know, it's one of those things where um, if you, if you, you are going to have to put work into this. And I think ideally you do want to find a teacher. Of course, trying to find a competent teacher is its own set of problems. I've been very fortunate to have some competent teachers around me, but not everybody has that. Um, so there is that problem as well, is finding appropriate guidance and mentorship. Because again, you might have somebody at the local New Age bookstore who's teaching a Tarot 101 class, but where did they learn from? And so that that also remains an issue. Um, mm -hmm. So I think I think you're you're right about a number of these things. I also point out, Bishop, that it seems to me that you have your own methods of discernment. I mean, for a lot of a lot of magicians and esotericists and occultists that I know do want to do divinations before doing an operation or a working um, just to make sure that it's a good idea or whatnot, which is fine. But what they're really looking for there is they're really it's, it's a system of discernment. It sounds to me like you have your own systems of discernment. So perhaps a divination as such isn't necessary for somebody like you if mm -hmm. you have your own methods of, of discerning what's going on in a situation. Um, for other people, divination is a much more useful tool in that regard, but it's not the only tool. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that kind of sums up in many ways, uh, I think any argument you and I may have in this is that it is a tool for people. And mm -hmm. you've brought up some great points here. You know, uh, um, 
you know, like we discuss in many of these shows, uh, you know, those who do get involved with this have to understand there's a lot of work and it's work, work, work. One thing we're always stressing is work. You can't just pick up a book. You can't just walk down to your local, God, I don't even know what local bookstores are open anymore because these all seem to be closing. Uh, but we'll say Barnes and Noble. Um, are they still around? <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll, sort of. Yeah. We'll walk down to your local Barnes and Noble and pick up, you know, the latest, greatest book by Llewellyn on um, on uh, divination or tarot and consider oneself an expert. Um, what I would probably suggest to someone who feels that they are called to this is to seek out those who are very serious about this who one can maybe work within some form of spiritual direction, mm -hmm. maybe have that person actually as a mentor. Um, I would say preferably into a system where one is initiated, where it's not just a hodgepodge of something that this person picked up off the internet, you know, something of a true system that's kind of been passed down um, and really kind of dive into it and learn everything you can about the symbols and what you're doing um, before one makes any attempt, A, to do this for others, but even when one is doing it for oneself, understand that these practices, even in the beginning, you know, like I said, take good journals, take good notes, mm -hmm. compare, compare what you're doing today from a week from now, from a month from now, from six months from now. Go back and take a look at your journals from six months ago and compare what you know now to what then and you go, oh geez, I can't believe I've seen it that way. How did I not see this? The writing was clearly right. on the wall, you know? And I think that through practice that these things can be tools. Um, one of the things that, uh, um, again, sort of my own issue is that I think sometimes people put too much, um, they, they just put too much, I think, validity into um, into a possibility. You know, to me, mm -hmm. the universe is full of possibilities. It's full of things that can be manifest. Mm -hmm. At any given time and point in space, something different can, can happen. Yep. And just because this result says it could happen here, does not necessarily mean it's going to happen. And my, again, this is my issue, but now people, you know, say, oh, God, I'm going to take this now as the will of God. This is something divine. Is that the now they're kind of feeding this current. They're feeding this egregore. Yep. Yep. So they could either be feeding negative energy. They may feel positive energy. I mean, if I'm a fortune teller or a diviner or whatever we want to call it, then I, you know, Lainey, you're going to meet a tall, dark stranger. <laughs> you know, well, you may be going around looking for a tall, dark stranger, right? Yeah. Um, but you may be ignoring, you know, uh, you know, that nice redheaded guy, you know, who might've been a better match for you, you know? Yeah. Um, you guys would probably meet really better looking children anyways, but <laughs> but you're getting my dread. Yeah. Um, is that I think that we can sometimes put energy focused into something that sometimes the universe has a way of letting things work themselves out without us focusing ill-directed energy, mm -hmm. you know? 
I think that there's that, that's a you make a really good point there, and that's something that you know divi- close divine or friend of mine and I talk about is that you know the divination can t- be a magic of its own sort because once you th- once you articulate the possibility of something happening, that can lead to a, a, a trajectory where a person goes off into a different direction. Mm-hmm. And takes action. That's part of the reason why um, a lot of my questions when I'm doing divination for myself or for others, I tend to form them as, is it wise to take a specific action? Mm-hmm. And the reason I do that is that, first of all, it's active. It's not a person asking what's going to happen to them. It is inquiring about the wisdom of a course of action. And I use the word wise specifically because um, I see that wisdom as being something that is oftentimes uh, built up internally that that and then can um, be can can direct one's action in a way that is good for both them and the people around them. Mm-hmm. Now, the interesting thing about this question, of course, is that, the person may have an ulterior have an ulterior motive, or may even have a an outcome that they would like, which may not actually occur. But if they are take a wise course of action, they are perhaps improving their chances of a good outcome. I will mm-hmm. give an example. I had somebody who came to me once. She saw a house that she really wanted to buy. But she had some concerns about being able to afford it. Could she get the mortgage? And was this a good idea? So I said, let's do the chart. And I'll ask, is it wise for you to pursue buying this house that you like? And it came back very positive about it being wise for the person to pursue purchasing the house, although it indicated that the person might not actually get the house. Mm -hmm. But it it said wise to pursue. Sure enough, she goes into her bank, finds out that her financial situation was far better than she realized and that she was approved for a much higher mortgage than she ever anticipated. And it turned out there were some issues with this house and she didn't get it, but she was, you know, it it was a wise decision to mm-hmm. pursue this because then she had a realistic understanding of what her position was. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, she just would have been sitting there fiddling her thumbs. Well, is the universe going to drop this house into my lap? Right. Or, you know, if, I, if I had said something like, if she had said, um, will I get the house and it had been purely predictive, they could have come back, no, you're not going to get it, would have given up. Mm-hmm. But in well, fact, she pursued and got some very important information. Okay, but now let me interrupt you here on this because one of the things you did mention during the video show was that one of the things you believe is something that we can sort of do ourselves. Um, We should not necessarily be going seeking the advice of divination for. Mm -hmm. I mean, and just in the story of this lady, I mean, you know, I've bought many homes in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't even count. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, But I've bought multiple homes in my life. And, um, you know, I wouldn't think twice about going to look for a house before talking to my financial consultant, before getting a pre-approval on my mortgage rate, knowing what my mortgage rates were going to be, how much I was approved for. You know, I'm not going to look for a half million dollar house if I can only afford a $350,000 mortgage. Um, You know, to me, those all seem like common sense things that I myself 
would not be looking at us, you know, uh, going for a divination for. I mean, to me, this is common sense 101 in investing in real estate. Um, you know, so again, where does one kind of draw the lines? I mean, where do you look at a client and go, seriously, you're coming to me for this? Why aren't you talking to your financial advisor instead of to me, you know? Well, I think this was a this was a situation. First of mm -hmm. all, you know, I know you've you've invested in properties and that sort of thing. This is this individual had a little bit more emotionally tied up with this situation. First mm -hmm. of all, um, and wasn't as familiar as you. Um, the other thing was is I think the individual was getting ready to make the leap, but um, had was just you know as window shopping so to speak. Spied gotcha. something that looked really, really good, but it seemed to be mm -hmm. out of her reach, and mm -hmm. she was kind of just going to give right up. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, let's have a look at this. And in this case, it was you know, it, you know normally her normal course of action would have just to not even paid any attention to it, but was very interested in the home and said, you know, we I just said, yeah, let's let's just have a look. Is this a wise course of action to pursue this home? It was not, is it a wise course of action to go to your bank? It mm -hmm. was, is it a wise course of action to pursue this home? And in point of fact, her genuine interest in this home led her to make the, a series of decisions that turned out to be in her best interest. So I think you also have to consider the individual, how emotionally involved they are with the situation, how familiar they are with the situation. Again, there are clear-cut cases where if somebody comes and says, am I pregnant, you say, you need to go down to Walgreens. Right. Um, but I think this was one of those situations where um, the individual may have been feeling you know, just, just a little bit of a struggle thinking, that it was a hopeless situation, and it turned out in the long run that while this wasn't the house for her, mm -hmm. she got set upon a course of action that was to her benefit. Now, let me throw this out there as well, is that um, as we've discussed on the show, you know, many Gnostics, not all, mm -hmm. but many Gnostics, you know, were – um, kind of view, you know, the universe, uh, creation, if you will, as creation as being something that was done incorrectly, <laughs> you know, created by a false god, by a creator who um, sort of tried to steal the divine light and thinks that he's the highest being and that um, some Gnostics would say is for us to kind of break this illusion of creation to kind of find the truth in the true God. Many of the questions that I hear that come up in divination practices are things that seem very material, uh, seems very much of this earth, you know, you know, uh, I want to know about my love life. I want to know, am I going to get a new car? Am I going to get a job promotion? Am I going to meet the person of my dreams? Uh, blah, 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 blah. Aren't these all kind of things that are then tied to the earth? Then how then does this become then? And a spiritual practice. I mean, how does this then apply to a Gnostic who is maybe trying to break the bonds and the illusions mm -hmm. of this world? I think that, again, uh, you know, as I brought up during the video portion, is there is the process of both executing the divination, obtaining the information, but then there is the ability to observe oneself during that process. And I, I think I spoke up earlier. I will begin the process with developing questions, and, and mm -hmm. lately, there are many times where I just don't do the divination because I realize that there's something 
spiritually or emotionally or whatever that's hinky in my motivations in doing the divination. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I dropped doing the divination entirely. So there is that aspect of that spiritual practice of the self-observation mm -hmm. and the preparation, which I think can be incredibly useless, useful for Gnostics. Um, the second thing is, is that while certainly these are material, we have various material concerns, um, this is what we're living in. This is our reality at this point. This is, you know, you try not paying your mortgage for a few months and and see how you know how well you're it's not going to work out for yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that you know again, if you're trying to uh, obtain knowledge about situations that we encounter in our in our lives, and you're trying to get additional sources of information, additional sources of wisdom, mm -hmm. if if you will, um, that that can be very helpful in in meeting day to day needs. Um, and in some cases, being warned off uh, negative situations as well. I mean, we have people always come and they want to know about their love lives, um, which is kind of inevitable. But sometimes the cards can, or the cards or divination method can give you some very good insight into what is wrong with the situation that you're just not aware of because we all, they say love is blind. I mean, we have, it's, there's a lot of blind spots people have in relationships. You can get information that can help you to rescue yourself. Or again, you know, you get something negative about this person. You're all ha, 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 hot to trot for. Right. And at that point, you have a choice. You know, are you going to sift through this information and make use of it? Or are you going to turn your head and continue down your, you know, the, this, this, these torrid emotions that you have, uh, possibly leaping to your own destruction? Mm -hmm. So, again, if you're willing to, you know, to put down the brakes and slow things down and examine things, regardless whether it's your love life or getting a new house or getting a new job, uh, there is spiritual work you can do there with that additional information. So if I'm understanding you correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. but it sounds like for you, you see divination as a tool of discernment for, for people. It is very much a way that they can use for their own spiritual uh, um uh, you know, guidance, uh, it is a way for them to discern many tough situations in life. I think it can be. I think it can be an effective discernment tool. I think it's, I think it does bring in information and you're going to have to use discernment with that information as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that it can be an effective discernment tool. If anything, um, the, the independent nature of it or the disinterested information, because it's not your mother who doesn't like your girlfriend or boyfriend or doesn't want you to move to California to take a job, but it's got this disinterested aspect to it that can possibly cause you to look at a situation or circumstances in different ways or take into consideration things you weren't anticipating. So yes, I think that it is. Now, again, I do not think it is the only tool, and I will caution people and say that if you're using divination in the place of your own critical faculties or wise counsel from friends mm -hmm. and trusted spiritual mentors or mental health professionals or medical professionals or legal professionals, you've got a problem and you've got to put those cards down right now. 
Um, Good advice. But, yeah, <laughs> but it, it is absolutely the case that there is more the discernment. Is, there's more than one ways of, of, of achieving discernment. Mm -hmm. Divination can be one, but there are many others. I'm going to kind of swing back around to, uh, um, in a kind of an indirect way to Father Tony's question again on, on um, how do we know, you know, these voices or who's communicating these ideas. In your own spiritual practice of divination, um, do you practice any form of protection or banishing or anything before? I know that in many Western traditions, it is very common before any form of magical practice, even in many of the things that I'm involved with, which, I mean, my ministry, if we could call it, um, one particular focus is upon healing, um, mm -hmm. on multiple levels, you know, um, there is always that part of banishing that is part of the practice. It is calling for certain entities to aid us and assist us and give us protection. Um, is the same present, I mean, throughout uh, most systems of divination? Um, or is that something that is not as common as you see in other forms of either ceremonial magic or uh, theurgical practices. I think it's important. I think it's important. You know, banishings. I think are great. Um, I use frankincense a lot. Burns frankincense. Mm -hmm. I find it to be very clearing, uh, very mind clearing, and, and very soothing. And and uh, in fact, there's been some recent buzz in the news about it possibly having antidepressive effects. Effects, but um, I think that that's important. I think the whole process of question development. Um, well, it's not a banishing per se. Mm -hmm. It is a. It is a an issue. Well, I think it can banish some unfortunate elements that might be causing people to inquire about things that aren't any of their business, or inquire about things that they don't have any attention of working on. Um, so I think that the the question development process, um, in and of itself, is a very important spiritual preparation for the operate be prior to the operation itself. Um, just the, the the ongoing questioning, you know, why am I asking this? Mm -hmm. um, and you look at the question. Well, is the question incredibly passive? Is is um, is somebody going to ask me to marry them at, by the end of the year? Um, <laughs> you know, that's a really passive question. Um, if I am I going to go out and meet somebody with, with whom I can have a, a relationship that can lead to marriage? Now that's a lot more positive. That I think that that whole preparation process with the question is actually very clearing. It, I mean, it's going to get a lot of the garbage out, gotcha. both internally and possibly if there's something coming mm -hmm. in. Uh, I think that that can do a really good job. Of clearing that out. Well, I think, you know, really good information. I mean, I think it's uh, obvious to me, I mean, that you take divination extremely seriously. Yeah. Is <laughs> like I said, I, I, I've known you for, for a very long time now, and I know that um, divination is part of your own spiritual calling. Mm -hmm. um, are there any particular resources that you would point our listeners to? if they were looking to take on divination as a practice? Yeah, 
Yeah, um, some of the things that I, I would uh, recommend would be, um, first of all, learning about different divinatory systems. It seems to me that everybody in the Western esoteric tradition will automatically jump to tarot. And I, I think that tarot is wonderful, but it's incredibly complex. Mm -hmm. And the more you get into it, uh, the more the more complex it, it gets. So I think, and there's also a lot of garbage written about it. Mm -hmm. And that can make it even more difficult to get good information. So, um, if, as far as as far as tarot is concerned, my favorite book, or my my most most trusted book, honestly, and it's not an easy book, um, but it's the Book of Thoth by Aleister Crowley. Um, whether you like Crowley or not, he knew his tarot. He came up with a good deck, and he wrote some really good stuff. Um, the other thing to be looking at would be the uh, Kabbalistic Tarot by uh, Robert Wang. That's mm -hmm. a little bit easier to get through, but it's still a very serious book. I would also mm -hmm. recommend picking up the books by uh, a deck, either the Rider Waite deck, the Thoth Tarot, or even the Boda Tarot, uh, which you can color in yourself. But for most people, it's going to be Rider Waite or uh, the Thoth deck, and I think those are those are some good tools. Personally, if I were going to recommend to somebody in the Western mystery tradition to recommend a divination system, I would I would steer them toward geomancy. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, it is a, a simple, relatively it's it's going to be incredibly complex, but it's also a very elegant system. There are sixteen symbols to learn. It's based on the elements. There's some planetary influence as well. John Michael Greer wrote a great book, um, The Art and Practice of, of Geomancy. Very easy to read, and I, I highly recommend it. But I would say, you know, the thing about geomancy is there isn't as much garbage uh, out there, so you're not as likely to get confused, and it's a fairly straightforward system. I would also recommend learning astrology. Astrology is the backbone for a lot of modern, relatively modern divination methods. Um, when you understand your seven classical planets, uh, you're going to develop a much deeper understanding of tarot and geomancy and other systems as well. So I would definitely recommend uh, brushing up on your astrology, even if you're not an astrology fan. Um, learning some traditional astrology is really important. Chris Warnock's Renaissance Astrology website has a wealth of material that I recommend. Besides the books I mentioned, any particular groups or organizations um, that you would point um, any of our listeners to? Or do you think, again, this is something that they really need to kind of just kind of search out and find for themselves and what feels true to their own nature. If you can find a practice group in your area, um, mm -hmm. that, that's great. There are some uh, divination clubs like tarot clubs in areas. Um, again, the quality of the readings you might be getting in that group may vary, but at least you'll have the ability to practice with other people. Um, so I, I would say, you know, try and seek out practice tarot groups. Um, Try and find some people in your area that are good tarot readings or, or tarot readers um, or geomancy or ge um, geomancers and get some readings first. I mean, you know, understand and find good people, try and get some good readings from them. That should give you an idea of how the system works. Um, so those, those would be the things that I would suggest at this point. Um, I mean, I can, we can point to books and that sort of thing, but I think ultimately it's find a system, 
read up on it, start practicing it every single day and keep track of your readings. And I, you know, after a while, it, it would become, you'll become a lot more fluent in the system. It'll make a lot more sense. I think you brought up some great points. And I think on that note, <laughs> uh, we'll probably end uh, the show. I do want to thank all of our Patreon subscribers yep. who uh, are probably watching us right now. Hello, subscribers. <laughs> um, thank you for your support and your continual su support. If you appreciate this show and Talk Gnosis and any of the other work that we are doing, please support us. Uh, um, I don't have the website right in front of me, but it's www.patreon.com slash Gnosis. Is that correct? Gnostic. 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 Thank you. Father Tony in my ear for correcting me on that <laughs> uh, and Bishop Peterson um, but yes please you know uh, we do appreciate all of the support for, for our listeners you great, get some great perks as we mentioned in our uh, video show one of the perks Bishop Peterson they will get if they subscribe is well if you pledge uh, $2 or more per, uh, per episode I will give you monthly as long as you're a, a supporter a free geomancy reading that is a great perk. Yeah. A great, great perk. Uh, any other information you want to pass on to our listeners before we say goodnight to everyone? Uh, just reminding folks that I will be speaking at Crucible, which is a convention for uh, magicians and occultists uh, of all traditions. It's going to be taking place, uh, I think it's around Princeton, New Jersey, uh, on October the 4th. If you are interested, you can go to um, crucibleconvention.com and get more information. But I will be presenting on the development of questions for divination. And it's promising to be a great time. Sounds like it. And after all the information we discussed tonight, I think that sounds like it's probably very crucial information for someone to uh, to learn about if they're interested in this practice. So it sounds yeah. like something anyone who's interested probably should search and maybe come out to that. It sounds like a, a good time for those who are definitely want to be learning about divination. Right, absolutely. And we're going to have some great folks there, so please do join us. Fantastic. Well, good night, everyone. And again, thank you for joining us on uh, Talk to Us This After Dark. Thank you so much, folks. Good night. This has been a production of the Gnostic NYC Network. For more information on this and all of the Gnostic NYC Network's programming, visit GnosticNYC.com. This podcast has been released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International License. Thank you.